Hello and welcome back to the F2 show. I'm your host Fraser Ford and joining me to look ahead to this weekend we have Inside F2 editor LA Wilshaw, Inside F2 writer Lawrence Griffin and Formula 2's commentator for this weekend Chris McCarthy. Coming up on the show then Lots to talk about as Formula 2 heads to Silverstone this weekend as we approach the halfway point of the season. The championship battle continues, we get the lowdown from our panel. And Formula 2 is heading down under for the first time next season, but can it afford to? We discuss all. Okay, let's get stuck into it then. Chris, we'll we'll come to you first. Uh, Welcome to the show, first time on the show. Uh, First of all, how are you? Uh, And secondly, obviously, you're going to be part of the the Formula 2 commentary team at Silverstone this weekend, as we've just mentioned. Uh, How are you? uh, Yeah, are you looking forward uh, to that? Oh, well, look, first of all, thanks for, for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be on the show. Um, I've been a follower of the of the channel for a long time. So uh, so thanks for having me on. Um, it's great to uh, talk with three people who know a, a lot about Formula 2 whilst we build up to, to a brilliant weekend uh, of Formula 2 racing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm incredibly excited uh, to be to be commentating on Formula 2. I've I, I started racing myself back in 2008, I think it was, and I followed F2. Uh, ever since so you know I have memories of you know watching uh, Formula 2 back in sort of 2007 2008 Will Buxton was a a huge inspiration of mine Uh, and then moving forward uh, Alex has has been a a huge inspiration to me as well so uh, so to follow in their footsteps is going to be a a real honour and uh, yeah Silverstone always always tends to throw up some some pretty dramatic races so uh, so yeah uh, really really excited for it. Yeah, I was go- I was going to ask you about Alex. Obviously, big big shoes to fill, but obviously you're more than capable of doing so. Have you have you spoken to him about uh, you know commentating this weekend? Has he give you is he given you any advice or? Uh, yes, uh, he has. Alex has been uh, you know really nice about it. Um, he's been very supportive uh, with with getting ready for it uh, off the back of uh, the last round, and uh, and I'm also going to be sort of speaking to him on the build up to to this week as well. So. Uh, I have to say a thanks to him, I guess, on this show as well, just for for the support he's given me, because uh, you know he he didn't have to to do that really. Uh, so so yeah, a massive thanks to him really. Uh, likewise, uh, Will was uh, quite nice uh, in his comments as well, so that was that was really kind. Uh, and Tom as well, Tom Gaymore is someone uh, I've known for a long, long time. Uh, he was the first person that ever helped me get into commentary back in 2014. So, um, so yeah, to, to be alongside him is, is, is quite comfortable as well. But, uh, but yeah, Alex has been, has been really kind and, uh, and very supportive as well. Yeah, a long journey by the sounds of it, but thoroughly well-deserved and we're really looking forward to hearing you in the comms box uh, this weekend. Uh, LA, great to have you with us as always. Uh, it's British Grand Prix weekend. Happy days, right? And I, I believe you're off to, to Silverstone this weekend. Are you excited for it? Yes, I am going to Silverstone as a accredited journalist for Inside F2. So I shall be in the F2 paddock, which will be amazing. I've managed to already make some very good friends in the Formula 2 paddock after uh, being there numerous times, you know, this season and, and the end of last season. So um, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm very much a people person. I'm very sociable. And, um, you know, the work aside, I'm just very much looking forward to getting back in that paddock and seeing some familiar faces. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm excited for you. I'm a little bit jealous as well. I do have to say, I'm jealous of anyone going to to the British Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, but yeah, obviously, wishing you the the best of luck for this weekend, LA. Uh, and Lawrence coming up to the to the halfway point of the season. Lots of stories up and down the grid. Uh, it could be a really important weekend this weekend, couldn't it? Yeah, it could. As the as the story of the overall season sort of begins to play out, and we talk all through the beginning of the season as you know, this is a longer season than than we've had before and there's plenty still to play for. But then after Silverstone, we'll be looking at going, right, well, that's, you know, we're nearly the halfway stage. And actually, there's a lot of work for the drivers that are slightly further behind to do. And if, you know, Drogovic keeps the sort of lead that he still has, he looks like the nailed-on favourite for the title. So, yeah, this weekend will be really crucial in setting the tone for what's to come this year. Yeah, really exciting to see how it all develops. Uh, Let's take a look at the championship standings heading into round seven then. The story of the season so far has been Felipe Dragovic's dominance so far, as Lawrence has just alluded to. He extended his lead in the championship to 49 points last time out. Terry Porsche and Jehan Deruvla are his closest challengers. They'll be hoping to close the gap with some strong weekends at Silverstone this weekend. The rookies had a really strong weekend last time out. Logan Sargent currently sitting fourth in the standings. Dennis Hauger in fifth. They'll be hoping to continue their good form. And Marcus Armstrong rounds out the top six. And the team standings? And it's still MP Motorsport at the top of the standings. However, they're under a lot of pressure from the ever-improving Prima team, who were the highest scorers last time out. Close battle between ART, Hitech and Carlin. They sit third, fourth and fifth in the standings. And Charousse round out the top six. And the full standings are available on our website, www.insideF2.com. Okay, let's, as I said, get stuck into it then. Where to start? There's been lots going on. Uh, Chris, what have you made of the season so far? And uh, I suppose, what are you what are you most looking forward to this weekend, other than commentating, of course? Uh, well, first of all, it's going to be good to be going back to uh, back to a circuit, isn't it? You know, we've been at the street circuits now, back to back, Monaco and Baku. And I mean, Baku's a massive street circuit, isn't it? And the racing there is always fantastic, but... Uh, Silverstone is is always been on the calendar ever since GP2 started, so it's it's going to be great to be to be back there. Uh, it's been a it's been a strange season in a way, hasn't it? I think the the story of or the word of the season has been consistency, really, and there's been one driver who's done that a lot better than anyone else. When you when you look at the championship table, there's a sea of red where there's just been incidents across the board for uh, a lot of drivers, and Teo Porsche now seems to be trying to catch back up really but um, Felipe Drogovic has just uh, gelled with MP Motorsport so well and when you consider that their best result in a driver's championship is ninth um, the fact that they're leading so comfortably uh, is just so impressive really so um, yeah you, you have to really hand it to them there is still a long way to go this will this will bring us to the halfway stage but um, it's been it's been hugely impressive and it shows just how much of a lead you can build if you start to get some wins and podiums together in F2. You can really put some big points on the board and extend the gap. But um, but yeah, that, that midfield battle as well is is very interesting. You know, I think there's 18 points, I think it is, between fourth down to down to Frederick Vesti. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one to watch this weekend to see if anyone jumps up the order. They could Someone could jump up about six places if they, they have a really good weekend in that midfield battle as well. 
Yeah, lots going on. And as you say, I mean, Felipe Drogovic this season so far has just been immense, hasn't it? What, what have you made of, of that, Chris, in terms of, you know, it, it's not over, is it? But I mean, that, that's a big gap to close for Terry Porsche. Yeah, it, it is. But um, I guess he extended it quite quickly. So it can be closed quite quickly uh, as well. Um, Felipe Drogovic isn't someone who's won a championship for a little while now. So eventually, uh, if he finds himself leading it, the pressure is going to start to get to him. Uh, Teo Porsche is probably a bit more of a comfortable driver leading championships, isn't he? Um, given he's the, the top seed coming in into this season uh, and he, he did very very well um, when he was in FIA F3 uh, as well um, but um, but yeah it, it's, it's just been you know so good to see him show such great consistency really Felipe Drogovic uh, he's done so so well uh, and I think it just shows uh, if you gel with a team uh, you know how how, quick, how well you can do uh, how quickly you can put points on the board yeah, absolutely. LA, two points last time out for, for Terry Porsche. A little bit of a, uh, well, a disappointing weekend. Not something we, we're used to seeing from Terry Porsche. He'll be looking to, to bounce back this weekend, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was it was very disappointing for everybody because I think that, you know, nobody wants to see the championship sewn up this far in advance. You know, we all want a, a bit of a fight and a bit of a battle. So it's really amazing to see uh, Teo, you know, pro- progress through the championship himself. I mean, I think it's been, I think he's had sort of seven straight races where he has finished in the points. Um, so it's not been the most atrocious championship for him but he is that 49 points in arrears um you know what's sitting there on on his 83 um but a couple of wins um you know he had a couple of wins in Bahrain and Imola and of course the uh second place in Monaco but he has to watch his back because we also have Jahan and Logan and Dennis you know sort of snapping at his heels and they only need a win or a couple of podiums and and they'll be above him you know he'll lose that slot if he's not careful so this this weekend he's really got to dig deep you know and, and get his head in the game and even considering you've just mentioned you know his his teammate Frederick Vesti who could be looking at quite a good weekend ahead so first of all beat your teammate and then you know trying to get everybody else in order as well yeah absolutely you've mentioned a few names there Logan Sargent was someone I wanted to to speak about Lawrence obviously uh you know he's really really coming into his own uh yet to win a race yet in Formula 2 uh but but could he could this weekend be be the weekend for him that he picks up his first win in the series well why not he's been growing in confidence he's been so consistent as you say Perhaps he hasn't quite shown the outright pace to win any races at the moment. He got close, of course, in Baku, finishing second, and he had to have a really calm head to navigate through the chaos that is any Baku race almost. Um, Perhaps a a sprint race win might be more sort of achievable. But actually, he's been so good in qualifying so often that he's tended to be starting in the middle of the top 10 somewhere in most races. And that doesn't always give you the best chance of a race win. So his results this so far this season have been so much more impressive than the sort of headline no race wins suggests. And that's how he's got up to fourth in the in the championship as the highest scoring rookie so far in a season where we've sort of seen how human rookies are when 
Oscar Piastri came in last season and blew everybody away in his in his maiden season, which is not normal at all. And so we've we've seen those rookies struggle, but he's come out pretty much on top of on top of all of those. And if you take Jeddah out of the equation, where he was P twelve and retired in Jeddah, he's been in the top ten every race so far this season, and and that's a really incredible run. So he is a rookie. He's growing in confidence. He's building his knowledge every time he steps in that car. So this weekend is definitely an opportunity for him to get that first race win. I think I think most people watching would be would be happy to see that as well. It's the the irony of it, isn't it? That the fact that he hasn't got a win yet, but you're right, it's because he is qualifying in the middle of the the top ten, which is brilliant because you know he's doing well in the feature races, he's doing well in qualifying. Uh, but yeah, well, I, I think I'll speak on on behalf of us all when we say that we hope uh, Logan Sargent can uh, yeah maybe go to that next level and pick up a win. I think that would be great for Formula Two. Uh, Chris, I, I, I want to talk about Jay Handerubla, uh, fresh off the back of a, a Formula One test with McLaren. Um, will that give him a bit of a confidence boost heading into to this weekend? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it means he can now apply for his super licence, doesn't it? He put, I think it was 130 laps on the board. Um, the team gave very positive feedback as well. Uh, and I think when you've driven a, an F1 car, jumping back into an F2 car, it's going to it's going to seem a bit easier to drive, isn't it? All of a sudden, the track and uh, it's going to give him a bit of a head start as well. Um, he's put 130 laps around Silverstone, where everyone else has only been able to go in the sim. Um, so, uh, absolutely, it's going to give him a huge amount of confidence uh, going into this weekend. Um, and and you know, he's chasing that first feature race win, isn't he? And uh, who knows, maybe it can be this weekend where he, he goes and gets that. But um, I, I think, yeah, that the, the the F1 test with McLaren, um, the positive feedback he got and the amount of lap times he put in, uh, definitely definitely is going to give him a, a good head start going into qualifying this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is that the um, motivation that he needs? Going to really get, you know, going to spur him on for the rest of the season, knowing that you mentioned about the super license, knowing that he could potentially, you know, Formula One is a possibility next year. Uh, now he has those super license points. Uh, whether or not, uh, you know, that he's in the Red Bull system and that's a difficult system to to get through to Formula One in, but he has the super license points. Is, is that going to, you know, motivate him and hopefully take him on to that next level? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, teams don't look at drivers unless they're they're interested in taking them on. I don't think that McLaren would have put him in a car for 130 laps if they didn't see some kind of of interest there. Um, uh, and yeah, it's been what 10 years since we we last saw an Indian driver in Formula One. There's definitely um, you know going to be a lot of interest around that. But not only that, it's the the pace he's shown in Formula Two as well, which which has put him in that seat. So um, yeah. I think it is. I think it is definitely going to, going to give him that extra bit of confidence that he's now got in the F F one car. He's done very well, and in a good F one car as well. It wasn't in an F one car that that trails around at the back of the field. It's, this is in a, a winning F one car that won at Monza last year. It was that same car, wasn't it? Um, he's driven a, a winning car now. Um, so 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 why can't he he go and race that in a, in a couple of seasons or even next season? Who knows? So yeah, I, I think. That that's that's going to give him a huge amount of confidence. It's different from someone just telling him he can be an F one. All of a sudden, now he's he's driving one. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see how he goes this weekend. Now, definitely. 
Yeah, good stuff. Prima looking good as well. So we should have a good chance this weekend. Another team that are looking good, LA Sharus into the top six. Uh, is this their best season in Formula 2 so far? Um, surprisingly, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, we can go look at last year. You know, they didn't have the, the greatest time last year. But if you look back to 2018, 2019 and 2020, they had incredible seasons. You know, in 2018, they had Louis Delatraz and Antonio Fuoco with eight podiums, two wins and 22 races in the points that, that they finished in. And then if you look at 2019, you had Juan Manuel Correa, Calamai Lot. They had two podiums each and they finished 15 races in the points. But I'm, I'm a bit more impressed with 2020, even though they finished seventh that year. Louis Delatraz, a mammoth 16 races alone in the points with two podiums. So to me, it looks like Chiru's, uh getting their mojo back this season. Still, you know, as I said, not their, not the greatest season. They've had other great seasons, but they're certainly getting the mojo back with Enzo Fittipaldi. You know, you got that podium, his first, second place in Formula 2 at Imola and the fourth in Monaco, you know, so just just close to that podium again. Um, and with David Beckman as well, finishing eighth in Imola when he stepped in in place of uh, Jem Bollock-Bassi, you know, they finished six, six races in the points. And, you know, Jem, you know, we know he's had his struggles uh, after the accident and, and not being able to, to compete. But he's also finished P14 and um, a, a P11, P11, P12. So he's actually not too far behind. He's not doing too badly either. Um, so, yeah, I just I wish them the, the best of luck. They're, they're a great little team, a great outfit, you know, and I'm looking forward to seeing those guys this weekend as well. Chris, I believe you've commentated on Jembolic Bassi as an esports driver. Am I right by saying that? Is, is that going to be, uh, yeah, I suppose quite a surreal experience going from esport and then both of you in Formula 2? Yeah, I tell you what, I commentated on him in his first ever single-seater race, actually. It was at um, uh, Hockenheim in Formula Renault EuroCup. Uh, he'd got the call on the Wednesday uh, to ask him, did he want to go and do this race? Uh, and he turned up on the Friday. He'd never driven the car before. Never, never driven the track before. Uh, half the weekend was wet, half the weekend was dry, uh, and he went from being got a few seconds off the pace, and by the end of the weekend, he was just over a second off the pace, uh, and it was a tremendous, a tremendous performance. Uh, I mean, one of the races he actually he he did a slow start on purpose because it was wet. The first race was wet, and he'd never driven the car in the wet before, and he just said, "I'm going to let them go." Uh, and, and just hang back a little bit. And, and he stayed with the pack the whole race. Uh, unfortunately, the second race, the car broke down on him. But um, he was a really nice kid to go and meet. Uh, he, he'd, uh, he'd driven in, in esports before then. And I think he'd done a couple of car races um, before that as well. Um, I can't remember what exactly. But, but yeah, that was the last time I commentated on him, actually. So it's going to be really cool to do that again. Yeah, great story for for Jen Bullock-Bassi. Uh, real uh, fairy tale in Formula 2 terms. Uh, now, home race for high-tech this weekend. Of course, Yuri Vips under investigation by Red Bull. Uh, he's been suspended for using discriminative, discriminative language on a live stream. Uh, we, like the rest of the motorsport community, await the outcome of the investigation. Uh, but everyone inside F2 believe that motorsport should be inclusive and we do not condone the use of racist language of any kind. Okay, uh, home race as well for Virtuosi this weekend. Uh, they came away from Baku with only four points from the weekend. They need a strong weekend this weekend, don't they, Chris? They need to, to bounce back at their home race. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, virtuosi racy. It's uh, I guess it's been a bit of a an, an up and down season for them, but um, uh, this would be a great chance for them now, uh, coming up to the halfway stage of the season, to uh, to go to go and get some some good points, good points on the board. And uh, Silverstone's always a good track to do that. I think this is one of the tracks on the on the calendar where you can really go and overtake, isn't it? I mean. Baku was definitely one of those as well, uh, one of those as well with the amount of straights, but uh, but yeah, I I think so as well. I think it is it has been a bit up and down for them, and um, uh, you know they they've done really well in qualifying, uh, haven't they? They've had some great performances in qualifying, but it just hasn't been able to to convert in in the races. So hopefully they can get a, another good qualifying performance this weekend and, and go and convert that and get themselves on the podium. Yeah, I think Jack Dewan will be hoping for the same. He's uh, not quite had the luck with him this season, has he? But um, yeah, let's wait and see there. Uh, no announcement yet at the time of recording uh, about who will be replacing Ormory Cordill in the second VARC. Although knowing inside F2's luck, it will be announced the second we press the stop button on this uh, podcast and before it goes out. Um, but we mentioned David Beckman uh, about potentially uh, replacing him. Uh, potentially, LA, you mentioned the Formula 3 driver uh, who could potentially step up or do both the Formula 2 or Formula 3 uh, race weekends. But, but Lawrence, if it was to be David Beckman, uh, would you be confident that he would jump in the car and, and, and do a good Definitely. job? Definitely. I, I don't think the, there can be too many questions about David Beckman's quality, especially after, as LA mentioned, he finished eighth in Imola on what was a really, really tricky weekend with the, with the weather. And then, of course, he has experience of these cars, but you still have to get back into the car and readjust. And doing that so quickly actually was really, really quite impressive. Um, so, and, and he'll want to remind everyone of his quality after losing his F2 seat last season, moving from Cherus to Campos, and then not having a seat by the end of the season. He sort of didn't have a, a fair run at it, really, last season. That instability... I don't know how much that can that can impact the driver's performance, but it's got to make it really difficult for you. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see what he can do. And also, from a team perspective, there's been quite an offset in performance between Hughes and, and Cordiel at VAR so far this season. So, And, of course, we know that they've been having issues with tyre temperatures and making the tyres last the distance. So someone with a bit more experience like David Beckman can perhaps come in and give them more valuable data and give them some more feedback and help the team move on. And it'll be interesting to see how close he can get to, to Jake Hughes as well. So I think if he if he does turn up this weekend as 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 we sort of expect that he will, um he'll he can definitely be a, a real asset to, to VAR. Yeah, a driver with a lot of quality, a lot of experience. Uh, and I think he could do a really good job at VAR. Let's wait and see who ends up in the seat. Uh, okay, in other news, it was announced that Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be heading down under next season uh, with Formula 2 headlining the undercard of the 2023 Formula 1 Australian Grand Prix. Uh, I don't know about you guys, I'm really excited about this. Uh, Chris, what were your initial thoughts when you saw that Formula 2 was heading down under? Oh, very excited. Everyone loves the Melbourne race, don't they? And uh, I think the drivers are going to be really pumped for this. Not only that, the teams as well. What a trip that is to uh, to go to Australia. I think they're going to absolutely love it. I think the teams are going to make make a proper holiday out of it, aren't they? So, um, so yeah, I, I you know, getting paid to go down there for the teams is going to be brilliant, isn't it? Um, uh, but I, they broke their record attendance, didn't they, this season, uh, Melbourne? Uh, and I think they have the highest ever 
uh, in history. Um, so, yeah, what well, what a place to go to go and race and uh, for for the F2 and F3 drivers, and it's it's a place that has its place on the F1 calendar and and always will. So. So yeah, so what? Why not? It's a, a new part of the world for Formula Two to go and race at as well. We've been to some fantastic places with the championship, uh, and I think it's I think it's really great. You know, obviously there were some people that frowned upon it a little bit. It is quite far, yes, but um, but I think I, I think it's going to be worth the trip. You know, it's taking F two drivers to a brand new part of the world, and the you know these record attendance crowd is going to be watching them following them all of a sudden and their profiles are just going to explode in a brand new part of the world that that's got to be a good thing for me that's got to be worth it yeah really exciting and the la agree excited for it and uh i i think there'll be a lot of uh we've got a few aussie drivers in formula 2 formula 3 you know home grand prix for home race for them they'll be excited for that as well right it is, yeah. It's definitely so exciting for home home racers. But I also feel maybe even the New Zealanders in the pack might feel it's you know it's just sort of next door kind of thing. And although it's not home as in home, we know it's a different country. Of course, it is. But I still feel that they might have that same feeling as well. And I'm sure that they're just as excited to be able to even get to see their family and friends and get them over to a race. But I do feel it'll be really beneficial for some of these young drivers that are heading into Formula One um, to go across those different time zones to experience what a short weekend does to disrupt that circadian rhythm in your body, you know, because they're not there for, for long enough. They're just about acclimatised, but then they'll be looking at turning around and going elsewhere. And that's actually really valuable experience that, that you do, you're not aware of unless you actually do these kind of trips. Um, will it be an additional race? Will it be a 15th race weekend or will it replace one? I'm not sure if we know the answer to that yet, but I'm hoping it, it will be an increase it will be on top of because that will also then benefit the drivers get used to more race weekends in case they do take that step into formula one lawrence as excited as we are for it um do we have to question the impact that it's going to have on the teams financially uh presumably that's going to be a big chunk of of each team's budget for next season uh yeah what, what are your thoughts on that yeah, well, without wanting to rain on the parade too much, you know, that it is a big trip out there to Australia and it's not a huge amount of time to prepare everything for next season and to budget for a round in Australia versus, you know, European rounds, it, it must be quite, quite different. And of course, many teams will be running in F3 at the same time. So there really will be a big stress on the team. And, you know, if you're if you're having people who are out there who are, who are jet lagged, you know, the teams, the mechanics doing pit stops that could cause all, all kinds of headaches and maybe a bit of extra chaos for us to enjoy as well. Um, you know, of course, F2 already far, travels far and wide to Bahrain, Jeddah, Abu Dhabi. But, you know, Australia is a fair bit further afield than all of all of those. And with the wealth of tracks that are available in Europe, there is a question about, you know, is it financially and environmentally the right call? But it will be brilliant for Australian fans to enjoy f2 and f3 and you know in in terms of the 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 finances these and the sort of logistics of it these teams are experienced they're well set up now and you know i'm sure that everyone in formula one will be making sure that they can make the appropriate arrangements for it 
what everyone involved wants is the longevity of these of these teams that has to be paramount that this isn't going to put too much pressure on them so i have confidence that that won't be an issue um come next year and we get to see f2 and f3 cars racing around that track and you know are we likely to see as we do so often that those guys can find overtaking opportunities where it's not possible in f1 especially with the alterations that have been made to the circuit in recent years i think that could be a really really brilliant race that whole middle sector that's just been straightened out a little bit you know how much extra opportunity will that grant us so i think with the the slight asterisk next to it with you know the slight financial doubts over over how it exactly it's going to work out it should be a really positive weekend for, for Formula 2. Yeah, I think so as well. And we know the the carnage that uh, Formula 2 can produce. And uh, Formula 1 has had a few chaotic races around Melbourne uh, over the years, hasn't it? So, uh, yeah, really excited for it. Uh, Chris, don't don't quote me on this, OK? Don't quote me on this. But I believe uh, that the fact that, we, that will be the third uh, continent that Formula 2 will be visiting uh, means that it will categorise the series as a world championship. Is that a good step for the series? Uh, and does that does that impact you know from a marketing perspective? Does it make uh, Formula Two a more marketable series to sponsors, for example, and uh, you know development that way? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think so. Um, you know, a world championship is is there's nothing bad about that as a title, is there? So uh, I, I I really do think so. Um, uh, that that it is uh, definitely. Uh, it's it, I I don't see why it would be a bad thing if it does become a world championship. I think it only makes it a better thing for me. And uh, and for, for drivers, some of them are going to be used to this extra trip. You know, they, they do things like the Toyota Racing Series down in New Zealand. They would have done that over the years. Uh, Formula Regional Asia is what they usually do in the uh, on the build-up to the season. Um, so it, for the drivers, it won't be a bigger trip. It's more, as Lawrence said, it's going to be more for the I think for the team, so it's going to be really hard. But uh, I think the World Championship title just just makes it even more prestigious. It's a it's a prestigious championship enough already, Formula Two, and I, I think this makes it even more so. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to hear Alex Jake's uh, crowning a Formula Two World Champion next year, uh, or potentially Chris McCarthy crowning a Formula Two World Champion. Let's uh, wait and see. You never know. Um, but yeah, I think it's really positive news, isn't it? And I think uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Okay, that is all we have time for today. Unfortunately, my thanks to Chris, to LA, and to Lawrence for joining me on today's show. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you give it a like, subscribe for more Formula 2 content. Let us know what your thoughts are in the comments. Hashtag the F2 show to get involved in the conversation. But from me, Fraser Ford, and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.